It may not be Thursday. Granted, we were going to do it on Friday, but the best episode of the week from last week is this week. Michigan Mailbag, your questions answered. Coming up right now. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday to you all. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire. Through USA Today Sports Media Group, uh, better late than never, getting to last week's mailbag, and we are doing it now. We will still do a mailbag this week, but it will be a weekend affair. Uh, so plan for that, barring me having to be on any field turf or anything stupid like that. So let's start with our leaders and best, starting with James Crudup at James Crudup 6. What are a couple of things that you thought were essentially guarantees that didn't end up happening? What did you think almost had no chance of happening that ended up coming to fruition? Can be team or recruiting. Wow. Um, that one is going to take me a moment. <laughs> it's it's um, things that didn't end up happening. I mean, certainly, I mean, there have been players that, that it was like, oh, they're coming. And I mean, even Najee Harris. I know a lot of people are don't want to hear that name. Um. Uh, I, I, uh, things like Najee, things that were, I was guaranteed, like I was guaranteed Xavier Worthy was going to work out. And I, I'm not afraid to tell you now because he's not with the program anymore. I was told that by Josh Gaddis. Remember how I told, tell you guys a name that you, every single one of you knows? Josh Gaddis reached out to me and said, hey, just so you know, there is nothing that is happening with Xavier Worthy. He is all set. He is all good. I don't know why people are freaking out. Um, Zach Charbonnet staying, but that that was more of him getting home. And when everyone was, was saying, oh, he's going to transfer, the USC message board. Um, at that time, Zach Charbonnet is like, I ain't going nowhere. But then he got home to Los Angeles after being in after a COVID shortened kind of bad year. It had nothing really to do with it, but it was more of the, you know, you know, I was gray and gloomy in Michigan in uh, throughout the winter. And if you lived in Southern California, it's no clouds in the sky, sunny, just about every single day. He got back home, and then after like a week or two talked to his family. I was like, you know what? I think I want to stay out here. So I, I think those are some of the best ones uh, there. I feel like I'll have to sit and think about it a little bit more and we'll maybe make that a show this week. The thing, because I, I, that's just a loaded question and I'm sure I'm not giving it any kind of due, due diligence, but those are, those are two things. I know I've talked about them before. Um, but uh I was I was told multiple times by multiple people within Michigan that Najee Harris was happening, and then it didn't end up going that way. Um, and um, I was told at one point Shea Patterson was not happening early before it completely switched course. Like it was like a nope, we have no interest at this moment. When all you know, when it just started kind of bubbling up, and then suddenly it was like, "Oh, you know what? Just kidding." That was from pretty close to Harbaugh too. So yeah, 
that that's probably the best I got for you in the moment. I'll, I'll try to think on it and maybe do a show later this week about it. Uh, my brother in metal, Michael Wolf at MWolf21. What happens to Michigan if Harbaugh's prediction is correct and four assistant coaches get head coaching jobs and they lose all the guys to the NFL draft? That would be an enormous change to the program. Uh, well, you, you better hope you retain J.J. McCarthy, probably. Maybe not the biggest deal because... You know, you've, you've got other quarterbacks on the roster. you got Jaden Davis coming in. You can always go to the transfer portal, all those things. But you know what? That's the type of quality problem that top flight programs have. Alabama's constantly had that issue, right? Like the coordinators that helped win the first national championship are several removed from the ones that ended up doing it, right? Like you've seen, you know, S- Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin and... Uh, uh, Mike Loxley and you know I mean Mike Loxley and Josh Gaddis there together I mean, you've seen uh, Kirby Smart you've seen it, it's been a, there's been a ton of turnover right like we've seen assistant coaches go from Alabama elsewhere as well Georgia's starting to have the same problem they've got two different coordinators um, the only one that really didn't have that type of turnover really was Clemson uh, of the, the the teams that constantly um, and they just finally did last year right with Brent Venables and Tony Elliott both leaving it, it's a it's the type of problem that you have when you're a top flight program but here's the thing Jim Harbaugh hasn't really had issues with assistance for the most part his assistants have generally been very good it's just now he finally found the niche of having guys that can coach as well as recruit I'm, I'm sure he would be able to go and find other guys or and I'm sure that there's some that are within the program that could be elevated and things of that nature. So I don't think it would be necessarily dire. It might make for one bad year. And when I say bad year, I'm looking at like nine and four type, you know, maybe it might not even be that bad. Heck, you, you might still end up, you might be in the Ohio State situation where you're just good enough where you're just going to win. You know, you might just be there. We don't know yet. You might just be. Jimmy Whitner at Jimmy Whitner one. Who would you say is the fastest player you have seen when you were down on the field? Hmm. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to tell. I know it sounds that sounds weird. Uh, I, I, it's 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 really difficult to tell. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I would have thought DJ Turner was, but by his forty time, he might be. As far as just closing time, Jabril was certainly up there. Um, I think that he would be one that would get in consideration. Jordan Lewis would probably be up there as well. Um, Nico Collins. Yeah, I think Nico Collins would certainly. And he had a 40 time that apparently was really good. But Nico Collins would be one that I think that it's just like you we watched him just kind of glide effortlessly. But I don't know that I have a definitive answer, unfortunately. Um, number two, I'm going to the Nebraska Netflix logo team. I don't. I, I'm wondering if that's a. Uh, it, that must be a, a Twitter thing. I'm curious to see if I can look at that real fast. I don't know if it will let me. I'm way deep in here. In my um, thing here. Nope. Tags Netflix logo team. Okay, fair. <laughs> fair. You yeah, thought it was. I thought it was an emoji. Uh, any suggestions for places I should check out? Um, I don't know. I just ended up going to a sports bar. I didn't like explore Lincoln. I mean, just downtown Lincoln's really cool. I just went, I just pulled in on an, in an Uber said, like looked at like one sports bar said like that place looks cool. Let me go in there. They were showing the, the red river rivalry game. So I went in there and sat there and watched, uh, watched the entirety of that game while working. 
It was great. Uh, just downtown Lincoln. It's got a lot of sports bars and stuff. It's just cool. It's like brick, brick buildings, brick road. Number three, how is Zuri? Let's see if uh, we can get her on camera. Zuri, do you want to come up here? Yeah, because she's under me as always. For those of you who watch, here is a puppy. Maybe you can see her depending on the, uh, with the new overlay, if that uh, probably precludes her a little bit. But for those of you listening, you, you probably can't hear her. Maybe you can. She is sitting, standing here on my lap. Uh, that's how she does. She's good. She's uh, getting a lot more walking now that it's uh, warm out and uh, loving life as far as that's concerned. So thank you for asking. And uh, moving on, KRTF Farmer 84 Besides Penn State, which road game will be the most challenging this year? I mean, probably Michigan State. And I know that they're not necessarily a team that looks like it's going to be great. But Mich- the problem is Michigan tends to let its guard down in that game. Now, I don't think that'll happen this year, especially based off of what happened in the tunnel. And they might be really bad, but especially by the time that the two teams play. But I think it is, it's still it's, it's a mental challenge and you have to be prepared for the extracurriculars that you know they're going to have. I would imagine they're going to double down on some of that. It's going to be Michigan State. No one else is going to have skin in the game in the same way. Number two, I would say Maryland because it's sandwiched in between Penn State and Ohio State. Josh Gaddis is going to want revenge for some for something, you know. And I think Maryland's going to have a pretty good team. So emotionally, Michigan State. Uh, the lack of emotionally, I would say uh, Maryland. Jonathan Joseph, J. Joseph, 2156. What's your go-to recruiting network? I know you used to work at 24-7, but you still look at the other three major ones. Um, I, I, I will say this. Steve Lorenz is my mentor. Steve Wiltfong is the reason I am, uh, that I have a career in this business. Um, I think that they are the best of the best. However, I am a subscriber to On3, a paid subscriber. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those two. Let me just put it that way. Spencer Whitmore, at Spencer Whitmore. Thanks for the segment one bump. It's sad how much I care. Maybe I'm underthinking it, but I don't see games on Peacock that big of a deal. The An entire year is $20 right now. Still cheaper than going out to a bar or to a game. I mean, it. it, it I think the reason why people are upset about it is because never before had you had to subscribe to like a separate service, right? Like big 10 network. If you lived in Michigan, you got that with the cable subscription. You didn't have to pay extra for it. ESPN. You get that with a cable subscription. You don't have to pay extra for it. ABC Fox. You don't have to pay extra for it. So that said, we're in a brave new world. Things are going to change. Of course, Peacock and NBC are going to put Michigan uh, as the number of the first game, because they know that's going to get people to, uh, to to subscribe. Right, right off, right out of the gates. They're not going to put Maryland and versus Minnesota. I don't know what you know the first game is, but you know they're not going to put those teams out there. They're not going to have Rutgers versus Stony Brook as the first game. They're going to have Michigan. That says a lot about Michigan. All right, we are going to continue on. We are going to continue forward, and we are going to do that here in just one moment. Before we do that, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The great thing about the FanDuel app is 
Great promotions every day, the safe and secure app, and you can get paid instantly. The most important thing. There's no better place to bet on all of the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, so I, I don't know if we're going to do two for Tuesday today. It might be, I'm getting this a little bit later. I forget that I have a, um, I have a meeting at church on Tuesday mornings now. Um, so I, I forget that uh, that kind of pushes my day back a little bit. So uh, might might be two for Wednesday. Nonetheless, we're, we're going to try to really make up for last week for missing, missing those shows. That's the hope and the goal. Um, whether that comes to fruition remains to be seen. Y'all know me if you watch or listen regularly. Things never go as planned, but that is the hope and the goal. Um, I do have different things to talk about and uh, continuing to add more as uh, people share what they kind of have in mind. Uh, going to our Victor's Valley and Jim at Jim in the North. How does Iowa look next year with Kate at the helm? Best in the West. I mean, I think it would be Iowa or Wisconsin. It depends on how fast Luke Fickle, Phil Longo, you know, how, how quickly they can turn that whole ship around. And also, how does Brian Ferentz deploy Cade McNamara and Eric All? You know, it. how much was Spencer Petrus, how much this, the system hamper him or he hamper the system? We don't know, really. I, I thought Spencer Petrus looked pretty good when he had Amir Smith-Marset. I think he was a different offensive coordinator then, though. So, uh, I, I, I think it's a possibility Iowa, you, you kind of feel like every couple of years you're going to get a really good Iowa team and every couple of years you're going to get a really bad Iowa team. They lost some guys that I think were really good. You know, not having Jack Campbell in the middle, they, that's like an irreplaceable type of guy. But their defense will probably still be really good because Phil Parker knows how to coach defense. Offense, all depends. How much do they open it up? I don't, I mean... Eric All, Caleb Brown, that those are, you know, Cade's used to one weapon, adding another one in Caleb Brown, maybe it ends up being pretty good. Or it just is. No real way to tell. Um, Anton Sasmita Mangala at Sasmita Mangala. Wow, I butchered your name just because I couldn't open my mouth for future playoffs post 2026 how important will it be for the other networks not named ESPN to have broadcast rights to a portion of the playoff do you see something similar to the Super Bowl where the college football championship game uh, rotates between networks each year yeah I think that you nailed you hit it right on the head I think it's important to decentralize it like it's, it's I think it's been fine for the four but at the same time it's like I don't think you know I think we've seen that ESPN hasn't necessarily meddled too much Maybe they did a little bit, you know, like getting Ohio State in, but it was obvious that Ohio State had to be in at that point, despite the blowout loss to Michigan, because the other teams that could have been ahead of Ohio State didn't hold up their end of the bargain, you know. Um, but like, you know, they put Cincinnati in there and all of that stuff. It, you know, it's I, I don't think that they're necessarily controlling things the way some people might say they are as far as getting all the, you know, getting the favoring matchups, but I do think it's important to have that type of parity, especially just for the sake of uh, the feeling that everything is going fairly, you know? Uh, Mark Zemke, at Mark underscore Z underscore. 
changed it up, I believe, or I just didn't notice it before. June is great for hypotheticals. Take me through the possible scenario where Peyton O'Leary becomes wide receiver number one by midseason. Well, I mean, we've seen it with uh, with guys like Ronnie Bell. No, no one would have thought going into 2019 that Ronnie Bell was going to be the best receiver of a group that had Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, and Tariq Black. Yet it was Ronnie Bell who led the team in receptions. Michigan loves the underdog receivers. Grant Perry, I mean, he was he was a three-star and everything, but Grant Perry was a highly used wide receiver in, under Jim Harbaugh, right? Like, it's he likes the, the kind of guys that are going to fight for it. And if he has the work ethic and makes plays like he did in the spring game, I mean, he absolutely could be the, the wide receiver number one. Cornelius and Roman are very good. Roman has had his injury issues week five, like we've said before. If he doesn't stay healthy, well, they need someone else to step up. How do the freshmen do? I mean, Darius Clemens didn't light it up in the spring game. Tyler Morris didn't light it up in the spring game. Peyton O'Leary was the only one who did. So it's possible. I think it's anybody's game at wide receiver, to be honest. Perry Mitchell at Perry Mitchell 08. As a fellow Red Dead fan, I'd love to hear which protagonist is your favorite of the series and why. Huh, let's see. Well, I can't go series. I didn't play the whole first one. I played like the first couple hours of it. Um, I had to get like a... I had an Xbox. I hope Trent Noop's not listening to this. I had an Xbox One. I don't have it anymore. So I had to get uh, one where it was like made for Xbox One and play, start playing Red Dead One. The problem was it was when I had roommates. I was in Ann Arbor. We shared that. It was on the TV that we shared, which the other roommates basically used 99% of the time. So I didn't play it that much. Um, hard for me to necessarily... It's been a couple of years now since I played Red Dead Redemption 2. I mean, Arthur's obvious... Not Arthur. Yeah, wait, Arthur. Main character? Arthur? Do I have that right? <laughs> um, I can't really remember the names either. I remember the main guy. I can remember John. Yeah, Arthur. Because I was, I was getting, I was like, wait, that's Dutch, right? Dutch is essentially the villain along with the, uh, the other dude. I don't, I don't know that I had a favorite. I mean, I just liked playing the, the main guy. It was, for me, it was less the characters and more of the detail that went into locations and, um, just all the different things you can do. It's like why it's like playing Zelda tears of the kingdom. I kind of feel like, Oh, you know, like this is great. You can do anything. It, it's, but it's kind of still like a low rent, uh, red dead redemption too, in a way. Cause that was cool. Cause it had the reality factor. So my uh, favorite game, I think period that and uh, horizon, uh, for forbidden dawn and zero West or, did that backwards. You know what I mean? James Kovalevsky at coach underscore Kovo. Outside of Ohio State and Michigan State, would you say Michigan's fo- uh, football's next biggest rival? I know the Penn State game means a lot these days, but is there anyone else you can think of? I mean, it's Notre Dame. I know it's not on the schedule for a while, but it's Notre Dame. Uh, Penn State will say unrivaled, but they talk mostly about Michigan. I think Michigan's probably Penn State's chief rival in many ways. Um, Ohio State also is in that conversation, and I know their rivalry game, quote rivalry game, is currently against Michigan State. 
but they are quote unrivaled. Um, Illinois certainly looks at itself as Michigan's biggest rival, even though they don't play that often. I mean, most of the Big Ten does. That's just how it is. You, I learned that in college. Every team, you know, you meet some, you go tailgating and you meet some uh, opposing fans, and they'd be like, oh, "We're playing a rival," and be like, "I, you know, it's the." It's the mixture of Thanos and Don Draper of, uh, I don't even know who you are. So, but it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the, is the number three rival. Ike Hamlin at Hamstand 87. Did anyone ever tell you Ryan Day is kind of the perfect Halloween costume for you? Just bring a baseball base. Um, I hate you for saying that. I know everyone's been saying that lately. Just, uh, I asked Sarah and Sarah said, yeah, you actually do look very similar. It's not just the beard, it's the eyes, all that. I, I hate you all for it. Ruining my life. <laughs> um, actual question: Will we be at Minnesota this year, and how excited uh, are we for the little brown jug? Um, I'm. I, I don't get necessarily very excited for Minnesota. Um, I will be there. Uh, I don't know that I'm excited to go to Minneapolis just because, like, I, I think I've told y'all before. I almost got shot when I was there. Um, at least I was in the very close vicinity to gunshots it would have been coming from no further away than my neighbor's house which is like a driveway a small lawn and driveway away over there um but i'm excited to go to uh tcf bank stadium or whatever they're calling it these days with uh people in it because there were there was just no people in it so there's that part uh finishing us out in segment two i'm not the one at william cawthor nine rank these coaches bo jim and lloyd and why you rank them where you rank them um I'd have to go Bo Lloyd than Jim. Bo, because he set the culture. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reverse that. I'm going to go Bo, Jim, and Lloyd, exactly in that order. Bo, because he set the culture. Michigan was floundering. I mean, it wasn't flound, like really, really floundering, but it was went from like being like mixture of bad to okay to beating the best Ohio State team at that time of all time. Um, I mean that, you know, then you set the culture as far as just the, uh, you know, a winning culture for Michigan. That wasn't something that it was for 20 years ish. Um, Jim, because Jim took over a culture that was losing and reset it at least back to Lloyd Carr standards, which is harder to do than when you're Lloyd Carr and you're taking over a program that, Yes, mediocre Michigan, but it was still pretty set up, you know, as far as wins. I mean, eight and four was like pretty regular. And he got it to a national championship within three years. And then, but then the latter half of his career was just kind of back to mediocre Michigan, maybe a little bit worse off. So that unfortunately, that's what I got. What are your thoughts on the state of college athletics? That's a, I, um, I don't know. It's, we'll see. I, I know that's a cop-out, but I mean, that's a long window. That's like a segment question. But it's, I, I don't think that, I think at the moment, college athletics is on, at, at a divergent path. And it hasn't necessarily chosen what path it is. So I can't necessarily give you a very good answer. That's like a three years down the road type answer. You know what I mean? It's it's just not 
it's moving in that NIL direction. It's got the transfer portals. The wild is starting to feel wild westy, but it's not fully the wild west yet. Does it rein itself in or does it go the whole sport is Miami? Don't know yet. All right, we've got more questions coming up here in just one moment. All right, we got five more. A couple people, three people would normally be in segment two, but um, we had to put some people in segment three. So sorry about that. Starting with Rich Nelson at Rich Nelson one. Who do you think finishes higher in the Heisman voting this year, Joe Milton or JJ McCarthy? Um, I mean, I'm going to go with JJ. Joe Milton had essentially a really good game in the uh, in the Orange Bowl. I don't know. I think the offense is probably better for him, but he's been in the offense for a while. Is it, has it clicked on permanently or did it click on for, I shouldn't say a game. He had like the last third of the season or so with, um, Hendon hooker out. Um, but I think Michigan, Michigan's not necessarily going to do a heck of a lot per se, but I think that Michigan will have a, a better record than Tennessee. I think JJ will be put in better situations overall than Joe Milton. And I think that that's going to make it. So, you know, because keep in mind, and for the most part, it's kind of the best quarterback on the best team is what the Heisman ends up essentially being for the most part. So I'm going to go JJ McCarthy personally. Nothing against Joe. I still talk to Joe Milton every now and again. Uh, Shane at Seamus0914. Who do you think wins the wide receiver three job or will it be more of a rotation? Same question with RB3. Uh, wide receiver three, I think it'll definitely be more of a rotation. I mean, actually, honestly, both of them are going to be more of a rotation. Um, I think it just depends on if you're going more for the slot type. I think it's going to be like as far as like you getting a quick underneath. I think it's going to be Tyler Morris. If you're running more verticals, I think it might be uh, it could be either Peyton O'Leary or Carmelo, not Carmelo English, Darius Clemens. Um, and I could see someone like Carmelo English setting up. But I, I think it's going to be less about having a dedicated third guy and more about the matchups and the play call. Um, same thing with running back, the third running back. I think that uh, it could be CJ Stokes. I think we saw Khalil Mullings really take the role and run with it. So I would expect him. And Benjamin Hall, I think, is going to be your short yardage. But, I mean, we were so far away still, I'm not really 100% sure. But I wouldn't imagine that I, – I, we know who the first two are in each. I think those are cemented, kind of. Wide receiver is a little bit more open. It, it could be any number. Clark at Blue for Life 8, do you know if the coaches and players enjoy the documentary that followed them in 2017 and if the, do you think it could happen again in the next coming years? Never really heard much about it. I, 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 I think it felt, I think they, I don't think they'll ever do it again. I'll put it that way. Um, I thought it was great. Not just cause I was in it, <laughs> you know, just every now and again, they show a, a gaggle and I'm uh, there. I am standing a good, you know, 30 pounds lighter than I am currently. Um, but, um, I, I, I don't think that they did. I think if they would have won, they would have liked it, but because they didn't and things were kind of uh, a little haphazard here and there, especially with the quarterback situation, I just think that 
I think that they went into it thinking that it was going to be stepping up from 2016 to some degree, and they took a big step back, and I think that that probably hampered it. There was just, And then just the injuries and the drama and all of that stuff. I mean, great for Amazon, terrible for Michigan. Armchair Insider, McGiver420, are we worried about the uh, orgy hitting the transfer portal next year? I, I don't know why you would be. I mean, it's he's right there to potentially take over if J.J. does leave. And if not, he's right there if J.J. gets injured. Because he probably, as much as we talk about Jaden Davis, Alex Orgy's right there. And he's I think that he's probably in the most prime position to be that guy. Not to mention, like, he is the most built quarterback I've ever seen. Dude looks like a defensive end. It's crazy. Not just a linebacker. He looks like a... Not, and I'm not talking like a Mike Morris 300-pound defensive end. He looks like a Jalen Harrell-style defensive end. He's got options. I don't... I, I don't... I wouldn't... I don't think Michigan's too worried about guys leaving the way that they were either. I think that was one of their issues. So concerned about guys transferring that they try to make everyone happy and the team just didn't. All right, finishing us out. Brandon Jones at Old Brando. Both of Michigan's playoff losses included very poor starts that they could not eventually overcome. What do you attribute that to? And does Michigan man, Michigan's manball approach hinder them when all uh, comes to playing from behind against elite opponents? Well, I mean, they were pretty close to come to it. What, you know, it, the Georgia game was insurmountable. The TCU game wasn't. Their slow start was hubris uh, last year. The year before, it was just Georgia. It, I don't think, I think it's difficult if you try to read too much into those two games as if they're the same just because they're both the college football playoff. One was Georgia was just better. It was evident during warmups that Georgia was going to be better. Um, the, the TCU game was self inflicted wounds, bad play calls, bad coaching. Mistakes made. That's it was a little bit of everything. Uncharacteristic mistakes, offensively, defensively, across the board. They were there. There, there were plays there for the taking. Missing tackles on Quentin Johnson. Um, stuff like that. You know, like on defense. You know, the the second half wasn't suddenly like Michigan. Michigan always clamped down in the second half. Didn't do it. They went with more of a, you know, pressure Max Duggan and hope he makes a mistake when they pressured him. And when he's halfway down, he flips the ball out to uh, to a guy who evades a tackle and runs in for a touchdown. That happened like three times. I would have played more of the Ohio State, keep everything in front of you. They didn't do it that way. All right, that's going to do it for us with this episode. We will be back either tonight or tomorrow. Not 100% sure. Depends on how uh, the day goes. So. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Peace.